Hi and welcome to episode 68 of the This Is Reportage podcast. My name is Alan Law, I'm the founder of This Reportage and This Reportage family, and I'm a photographer too. A real pleasure to chat to the fab Ange Waterton for the podcast today. This is a podcast from one Cornwall to another, as Ange is based in Cornwall, Canada, whereas I'm in Cornwall in the UK. Great little fact there. A brilliant wedding and family photographer, Ange recently won three Family Story Awards in a single collection, something that we talk about on the episode, as well as many other things, including her tips for people just starting out as a documentary family photographer, transatlantic relationships, her journey from teacher to photographer, her profound hatred of socks, the importance of taking on legacy work for her clients, our Netflix synopsis game, and so much more. Before we get on to Ange, just a little few mentions about some upcoming events. On Friday the 19th of March at 11am GMT, we're doing a Facebook Live with the fab Eve Sheppers, who is our TIR Photographer of the Year 2020. He'll be telling us how he captured each and every one of his 20 Reportage Awards from that year. It should be really, really interesting and fun too. Be great if you want to watch live and ask Eve any questions. It will be on our public Facebook page, which you can find at facebook.com forward slash this is reportage. And if you can't make it live, it will be available to watch exclusively for TIR members afterwards. Then on Monday 22nd of March at 1pm GMT, we're doing our very first clubhouse chat. I'm going to be joined by this very lovely and talented three, Sanna de Bloch, Louisa Fondenbrook and Dave Scholes, all of whom have actually been on the podcast before as well. We're going to be talking about the mistakes we made and other horror stories, whether that's from a wedding, a family shoot, business, or just general life mistake. It would be great if you wanted to join us, listen in, ask any questions, or even better, share your own mistakes with us. Should be fun. Finally, just a reminder that the deadline for our next awards on both our sites is just days away now. Submit by 2359 GMT on 24th of March 2021. Right, over to Ange. Hey Ange, how are you doing? I'm well, thanks Alan. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm I'm all fine. I'm all fine. Um, yeah, so how's things with you? Because this this podcast is from like one Cornwall to another, isn't it? Are you in Cornwall? It is, I am. Yeah, it's Cornwall, Ontario. So I'm an hour west of Montreal or an hour southeast of Ottawa. Oh, okay, cool. Well, that's cool being from, yeah. from one, Corn- one Cornwall to another. That is cool. I'd like, I'd like to visit yours one day. I've never been to Canada at all, actually. You've been to this Cornwall in the UK, though, haven't you, before? I have. I have, yeah, as a as a teenager with a show choir in high school. And then, um, again, I lived in the UK for six years. My oh, okay. husband Wales, so we, we did a fair bit of touring around in those six years. Ah, okay, cool. And which which Cornwall is better then, yours or mine? <laughs> Oh, mine has my family, but yours has a lot more ocean. We're we're about thirteen hours inland. So, oh, are you? Oh man, I'm sorry, yeah. my job is so bad. I did not know that. Wow, yeah, but yeah. There's no uh, sea here. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I w- I think I would miss that. I, so I'm originally from the Midlands in England, so I didn't have any sea. Oh, okay, either, but um, but yeah, I would miss it now. So our nearest beach is only like an eight minute drive actually here. But. <laughs> Yeah, I get a little bit jealous when I think about that sometimes. <laughs> you said you're from the Midlands. My my show choir did the exchanges with a, a, an orchestra in Dudley. Oh, in Dudley. I used to go to Dudley. My too. first introduction. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Cool. What was that like then, a show choir? That sounds really cool. Oh, uh, it's very, it was I, it feels very cliched, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was just like getting up on stage and and uh, having a ball 
No, that sounds good. No, it Singing sound and good. dancing. It was fun. Have you got, a, have you, you must have a good voice then. You're going to get a, I'm, a, I'm a terrible singer. I'm a terrible <laughs> singer, but I was really good at faking it. So. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's cool that you toured all over then and came to Cornwall as well. That's a big deal. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm, that sounds cool. I remember yeah. being in a choir as a kid, but I was, I, oh, I was so bad. I was very bad. <laughs> um yeah anyway let's um so and how um what's it like what's what is the climate like where you are then anyway what's what's the weather like in where you are so uh we are our weather is driven by the saint lawrence river um so we get some pretty significant temperature fluctuations we we hit 40 degrees in summer and humid and we usually will hit uh, somewhere down around minus 40 in winter. Wow. So never really get used to one temperature, but I mean, it's, it's nice and um, spring like today. It, we're uh, hitting okay. major thaw. So we're up around seven degrees, I think, today. But again, it was minus 14 yesterday. So you really? just. Yeah, it's pretty wild. <laughs> that is wild. I cannot imagine. That's like the opposite to the UK weather, isn't it? When it's just so tense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I lived in London when there was like two inches of snow that fell and Heathrow shut down. <laughs> yeah. Visiting from Canada and she couldn't fly home. Oh, and no. Just thought it was hysterical because they just couldn't cope. London just shut down. But when you think about the fact that, you know, the UK has very little snow removal or mm-hmm. skills for snow at all then yeah we're just not set up for tires it. no no and driving gets real exciting so it became understandable very quickly but when we just looked out the window and we're like there's there's no snow on the ground this is nothing <laughs> funny that it came to a screeching halt <laughs> that is funny yeah that is funny yeah. it must be is it ever is it ever tricky for you with your work you know with family shoots and weddings as well you know like the weather do you ever get have you ever not been able to make it to something because of like the snow I've, I've never gotten stuck but it's funny i'm just i'm actually going through some stories some family sessions for uh the next round of submissions oh cool yeah i'm looking at one session where i showed up and it was all going to be outside because it was right after our most recent lockdown lifted mm. and it was snowing really heavily and uh it was a little bit tricky because when we get that kind of snowfall it can sometimes like if you get enough uh, snowflakes between you and your subject it blocks out their faces or blocks out part of their face oh right yeah so little things like that that you don't really think about like there's really pretty snowfall and then there's such thing as too much snow <laughs> um but no i've never i've never gotten stranded on my way to work okay that's good that's good yeah. but that's funny yeah. though you saying about different types of snow because i just i would not have a clue about that it's so right especially in my cornwall we like never see snow no they're, yeah they're never getting snow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's funny um okay and let's go back a bit then um so tell me how how did you become a photographer because i read i read that you used to be a trampoline coach is that right yeah <laughs> yes i did uh that's yeah cool. i i i used to jump competitively when i was in high school Wow. And then, um, I started coaching around the same time. And uh, when I moved back from the UK, rejoined my club as a coach for a bit. And, um, but it was really just like an evening uh, activity while uh-huh. I was building my business. But I was a, I was a high school teacher. And oh, okay. I, cool. Yeah, I taught English and math mostly. And then whatever the way that teachers do, you end up teaching whatever else they load into your timetable. 
All right. Okay. Did you enjoy that? So, what ages were you teaching? Well, I in in the UK, I taught um, from year seven to eleven. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. I ended up with um, a special needs teaching qualification, a literacy qualification. So I ended up doing like one-on-one work um, for uh, pupils with some form of literacy challenge uh, right. from year three all the way up to senior school. Uh, okay. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then you carried on doing that a bit when you went back to Canada. Then? Oh, sorry. And then, um, no, that, so there's uh, the, the hiring system in my province is totally different than in the UK. You don't just show up to a school and submit. Yeah. a resume. Um, we are, our, our province is broken into school boards and the school board does the hiring and you can be assigned to any school within the board within your region. Right. And um, they, they manage staffing that way. So if they know that they have X number of pupils, then they need Y number of teachers. Oh, and okay. if the number of pupils drops, then the number of teachers drops. So there was a, a decline in the birth rate that had started working its way through the school system when I was still overseas. And I knew I wasn't going to have a job when I got back. All right. Okay. So I had kind of two years notice to get my act together and figure something else out. And uh, I knew it was either going to be food based or photography based. And I I did a couple of workshops through uh, the Royal Photographic Society or Royal. I don't know if that's the right, it's the RPS. uh, Okay. and uh, just started to kind of explore a little bit and and learn settings and learn some of the details about wedding photography and studio portraiture. Mm-hmm. And then leapt in with both feet whenever I moved back home. My husband was staying in London for another uh, couple of years. Oh, well, uh, that must have been tough. Yeah, I don't I don't recommend transatlantic marriages. <laughs> <laughs> um, we made it work. We were really fortunate. That he, like he had a really good job. Right. Okay. Uh, he had to wait out the processing period for the immigration paperwork, and that was what caused the uh, situation. It was two years then. It, wow. Well, well, I think it was about eight months of heel dragging because it's a lot of paperwork that you. Uh, okay. Um, and had to get a police check from Australia and submit a ton of photos and all sorts of stuff that. Uh, okay. In government requires for for permanent residency um it was about a year i think of processing time oh man that's a long time though to be it it was yeah (laughs) that's a long time oh man every six weeks or so one of us was on an airplane Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. Yeah. It's so mad yeah. how you can do that. Well, back in the day, you used to be able to do that. You can't do that at the moment, can you? Can't... Not so much. No, I'm really glad that it's a thing of the past because if it was happening currently, I I have some clients who have been in that situation in the last year, and it, that is not something I would ever want to be doing right now. No, that must be Because really... you wouldn't be doing it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's awful. You said before Ugh. talking about doing that, that it was going to be food or photography. What about food? Photography? Yeah. Not food photography? Well, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not much of a food stylist, <laughs> although it is something that I started exploring last year um, just because I realized it, it's ridiculous that there's so much food that comes out of our kitchen that I've never actually photographed it. So I just started playing around with it a little bit. Uh, okay, um, cool. Commercial yeah. work. Yeah. Oh, that's good for actual commercial work then as well. Yeah. Um, well, kind of to put together a commercial portfolio uh, to, t- to take to a stock agency. But I mean, 
food photography is such a specialized genre um, and, and very specific niche. So you do have to really nail your styling. Right. Okay. Spray bottles and, and plating and all sorts of stuff. So. Oh, really? See, I know nothing about that. I wouldn't have a clue. Oh, yeah. It's very, very styled. Uh, okay. Very you get hungry doing it as well. It must make you hungry. No? It's funny. Whenever I, I don't get hungry when I'm cooking, if I'm cooking a lot of food specifically, because if, if I'm just surrounded by it, then I'm like, no, too much. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's some days where I'll, like, I'll have cooked all day and the meal will be ready and I will just pick at it because I'm like, no, too much. <laughs> I overdid this one. <laughs> that's funny oh so um i interrupted your story though about how so then how did you get like on your first wedding or first family shoot how did how did you get that oh um so i built a business plan when i was still in the uk so before i had even moved home and i i really just threw myself in i i did the numbers uh and i was just like i'm i'm gonna make this work i gave myself the two years that rich was still in in london mm -hmm. to to start turning a profit because I think that's what the Canadian government kind of allows you is you've got two years to run a deficit and then you need to start showing that it's a profitable business effort. Otherwise they're going to start asking some questions. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if those questions come in the form of an audit or if I don't know. I don't know. That's a bit scary. That's would be. scary. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just kind of said, well, we're going to give this everything we've got for two years and see see what we can do. And it was funny because a, a couple of years ago, a friend asked a question about like, or made a comment about watching my business grow. And I said, you know, at the time when I first started, failure wasn't even a thought. It was just, I have my plan. I know my numbers, away we go. And I was so focused on going that I never thought about what would happen if I had nowhere to go. <laughs> so I guess that's the best way to do it. Yeah, definitely. That's a great it, it way worked. to work. <laughs> yeah. But it, it just never occurred to me that the flip side could happen at the time. I guess that's also just naivety and <laughs> oh, wow. starting it's, a business. But it's a great way to do it though. Very Cause the other way you can be, yeah, you can be paralyzed if you think about the other side too much, you know, the possible failings of it. So it's it's good not to not to think like that. And then so when you were doing that kind of business plan thing, did you have a methodology of how you were going to get your first kind of bookings? Have you had you done a lot of photography in your life up to then? So that's the kind of embarrassing part was no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I didn't I didn't have any kids. I know a lot of uh, female photographers start because they have a child and they start pictures of their baby. Uh, whereas I had just traveled and that's what I took photos of. And I always found that I was more interested in taking people pictures of people in the environments that I was in mm -hmm. rather than just landscapes. That's cool. Um, so that was kind of what had piqued my interest, but I didn't have any specific plan. It was just to get back home into my community and uh, reintroduce my, myself to people. Cause I had been gone, um, off and on for something like 10 years by the time that I moved home right. university and I had gone backpacking in there as well and taught out of province. So I needed to just reintegrate myself and find ways to get shooting. And um, very conveniently, my sister had a child not too long after I moved home, I think maybe nine months after I moved home. Mm -hmm. So 
Uh, that gave me a practice subject whenever that's I needed good. to yeah, that's handy. <laughs> learn things. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, I had a subject at hand and he was, he was like a super mild mannered baby and he was just the most placid child you could ever ask for. Oh, that's cool. Right, because he would just sit there quite happily and, and play with whatever I gave him while I worked on whatever I needed to work on. That's perfect practice, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty handy. So it must pretty be thousands, handy. thousands of photos of him. Uh, there were quite a few. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And he was quickly joined by um, my next nephew the next year, who is a very different personality type. He was very exuberant and like super happy and Aww. it was two totally different characters to, to kind of. It's test. mad how it's mad, isn't it? The different characters are the same. Family. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 I love that. So then how did you, then how did you, did you shoot families first or weddings first or what happened? I, a bit of both. I, I promoted myself with a great deal of confidence. That's great. That's great. <laughs> and um, I started with family. Por- I, I basically did whatever needed to be done to pay some bills. So some families, some weddings. Um, I think I did a little bit of real estate my first year. Oh, cool. Um, really whatever kind of came up while I, while I learned how to work within all of those genres. So it was great in terms of uh, helping a really steep learning curve. Um, And it just kind of went from there. It wasn't until I was about four years into the business that I started looking at documentary family photography before I even knew that it was a genre. I was just like, I think I just want to kind of shoot families doing their stuff thing oh that's cool yeah because i was going to ask you what drew you to documentary family photography in particular rather than like portraiture or lifestyle yeah it was just kind of this feeling that i was like i i don't think that i really want to do just posed stuff i feel like there's a way to do this and then i found out that there was indeed and uh it was a thing and i could kind of hone that skill so i've been working on that ever since that's kept me busy for six years oh that's cool (laughs) (laughs) and you're so good at it as well you've got a great article on your site as well about what is documentary family photography oh thank you you write really well you do write really well thank you i i think that's the english teacher in me i used to always journal um (laughs) writing has always been a a a, i wouldn't say a passion of mine but something that i really enjoy so it's been fun to find something that allows me to write as well as take photos yeah, that is true isn't it yeah because mm-hmm. we actually write so much in that job as a photographer you really do don't you yeah so, yeah um i did my i did a degree in english actually and i had no idea what i was going to do with that but i think having that is just give you your overall yeah big general life skill that you, you use in everything really so. absolutely absolutely and it's it's interesting the ways that that english degree can kind of resurface just in terms of um, storytelling and the way that I reflect on my own family sessions and my own client's experience or my experience with my client's day. Uh, and, you know, using even just a broadened vocabulary or uh, focusing in on your characters. It's little things that you just don't think your English degree is going to do for you. And then suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> 
That is true. Mm. And I always, I always, um, thank, I'm always thankful for my degree as well, because we studied the first Harry Potter book actually on my degree and I never would have read it if it wasn't for that. So no way. Yeah, no, yeah, we did. Yeah. That, that, that professor was pretty up with the times then. Yes, that's true, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And I, I also met my wife for the first week at university. So that was a very good thing as well. No way. Yeah. I feel like a lot of those frosh week, or what do you call it? Freshers Week? Oh, yeah. Freshers Week, yeah. A lot of those Freshers Week romances don't last. <laughs> I know. Well, we, we, we went out together in the first year, and then we did split up, and then we went out again in the second year, and we split up, and then we went out together in the third year, and we've been together ever since then. So. Well, hey, third time's a charm. That's it. If at first... You <laughs> that's funny oh and talking about three um you recently won three family story awards in a single round which is i did yeah that's I, pretty I remarkable fell off my chair well it's so awesome because yeah because <laughs> it's it's so hard to win one let alone three and a three in a single round is awesome so um yeah not to put you on the spot or anything but what do you think makes for an award-winning story Ooh, yeah I... tricky one <laughs> So it's really interesting. I, I did a mentorship in 2019 with Kirsten Lewis and oh. Kirsten Lewis Bethman now. Um, and one of our assignments was about storytelling within our community. And because of that assignment, uh, we, we were critiqued at the end of that month by Matt Mendelson, who is a wonderful photographer. And I highly recommend people look him up. Cool. He's also a really interesting person. Um, And he kind of helped solidify my understanding of storytelling in terms of, you know, the detail and the portrait and the establishing shot and taking kind of a cinematic or literary approach to it, depending on how you want to look at it. Okay. Um, And so I, I called my stories and, and pulled them together based on, the, those sorts of details and like, do I have something that is a little bit wider and do I have something that gets in really close? And is there a variety of viewpoints? Do I have a protagonist or an antagonist? Those sorts of things really actually helped me when I was going through my images and, and deciding which sessions might work for this. Okay. That's so, cool. And that's, that's like yeah. the English, like the English degree we were it talking is. about as well, isn't it? The story. Yeah, telling. it is. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. 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 Mm, that's awesome. And it's so, such great work. Oh, so good. So deserved. And Thank did, you. I, did I recognize, is it, is Marika in one of the images in one of the stories? Yes, she is. Yeah. Svartscholten. Svartscholten, isn't it? Yes. Svartscholten. Svartscholten. Okay. Yeah. You you say it better than me. I, I probably, Marika, if you hear this, I'm sorry if I just butchered your last name. <laughs> I apologize as well. I apologize. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's her. She's in one of the stories. Is, she, is that her family in the story? It is her family. Yeah. So I went to see them uh, in 20, I want to say that was also 2019, but I might be wrong. Um, and hung out for a few days and we went to Rotterdam her and her boys and then I got to tag along and it wasn't planned it wasn't you know it was meant to be a shoot it's just I said like do you mind if I just photograph the kids whenever I'm when interesting and it was the most freeing experience because I hadn't shot children photographed children just for myself Uh, right yeah in quite a long time and I was 
you know, reliving all of these thoughts on uh, or tips on geometry and light and stuff. And they just happened to find the most perfect things interesting. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it's fantastic. Like, what is happening? Oh, so that's like, awesome when it comes it together awesome. like that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so I'd, I'd had this lecture like, and, and, the, and the, um, the water fountains and stuff in it as well. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. The whole day I was just like, this is surreal that all these places exist in one afternoon. <laughs> Sent by the photography <laughs> gods for you. But no, but Seriously. it's not that. It's not luck though. You've got to be able to be in that mindset to be able to see that <laughs> and to see the possibilities, you know, in the frame as well. So it's all down to you still. Well, you. thank you. I it was just interesting to see. I had done foundation the year before. And oh, cool. is that how I you met Marika? Is it? it is, yeah, because she had been the the workshop photographer that year. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, right. And so I had been working on like lines and shape with Tyler and Sitla. Oh, and cool. uh, it, it foundation kind of at that point felt like something that was done to me, not with me because I was just trying to take all of this information in and I was kind of along for the ride at some points. So it's like, okay, we're going to just try this and see what happens. But you know, I I'm just taking in everything and doing what I'm told. Mm. And then I spent like a year trying to process all of the information that I had taken on and still felt like I was missing stuff every time. And then whenever I was with Marika, all of a sudden I was like, oh, here it is. And it was just together. Yeah. realization that, oh, you can do this. This is Oh, that's cool. Have a yeah. So it was really incredible to have that story win an award because it was so meaningful for me to to make those photos and to have that time with marika and it you know really solidified our friendship and then also have it come out with a, an award at the end i was like what is happening oh that's proper cool that's really cool yeah. it's so lovely to hear about it all properly because mm. obviously for the vast majority of awarded images or stories you know i can't talk to everybody so it's really sure interesting to hear yeah the stories about them it's um, oh yeah there's yeah, there's cool. tons of, of winners that i was like i would really love to know what's behind that. yeah it's awesome to hear isn't it it's really cool yeah um does marika know that that was awarded that story as well yes yes she does i messaged her right away it was like you'll never believe what happened oh that's cool oh very cool oh because she, she did um, a video for for reportage family members which is great as well so i've never met her but the video she did was awesome it was really cool. oh yeah actually she's the reason i joined so oh yeah i remember she said at the time oh so that's all cool it's cool it's, it's all, all gone exciting. full circle right yeah round. yeah <laughs> oh that's really cool that's cool yeah. um right let, let's let's change tact a little attack uh, a little bit and um do you watch much netflix at all i do i watch an embarrassing amount <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's what we do we're <laughs> photographers we watch netflix that's what we do <laughs> um, right so i've got i'm doing a little uh just a little little fun kind of quiz that i've been doing for the past few episodes um if you're up for playing just to do a netflix. sure thing okay good i like that too let's do it let's do it so um, i'm just going to read out a netflix synopsis for either a series or a movie and you've just got to try and see if you can tell what Ooh. movie or series it is okay okay you ready? I'm nervous. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It's so funny, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no pressure. No pressure. Okay. 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 I'm just going to stop the interview if you get any wrong. That's all. No, no. Oh, 
just hang on. <laughs> right, okay. The first one, this is quite an old film. This is a little clue. Okay. So a seasoned homicide homicide detective and his new partner are on a desperate hunt for a killer whose gruesome crimes are based on the seven deadly sins. Oh, it's seven. Yes. Good one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I guess there's a little clue start in there. Start me with a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll start it's with an easy movie. one. Yeah. yeah. I only, I've not seen that in years, actually. It is good, though. No, it? it was a good one, though. Yeah. Mm. Is that Morgan Freeman as well? Is it Morgan Freeman? Yeah, and Brad yeah. Pitt, right? Yes, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Oh, I wonder. What, I haven't seen Shawshank in years. I need to watch that again. I love oh, that. yeah. Mm, I introduced cool. my husband, which I found out my husband hasn't watched The Princess Bride yet. Oh, really? Gosh, dude, we're gonna have to fix that. Yeah, I haven't seen that though since I was a kid. I think long time. Oh, ago. yeah. Me neither, but I feel like everybody needs to have watched it once in their lives. Yes, that's true. That's well true. over forty. <laughs> do you uh, do you watch um this is us on prime that series you know i i was watching it i think i'm about a season behind now uh, okay because they 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 as a family they watch the princess bride don't they as well oh do they uh, okay yeah. anyway sorry i just love that i love this is, <laughs> us. Like, this is us it's just beautiful it's like it's like a grown-up dawson's creek i love it it's great oh yeah it kind of is eh? yeah yeah it's like it's so it is Oh, I mean, it's it's kind of saccharine, but I love that. I think it's beautiful. It's cool. Yeah. Anyway, right. Okay. Are you ready for your next one in this? Um, yes. In this yes. fun little quiz. Okay. So this is a series, a lot more modern. Just again, as a clue. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. It's like a mini series, this anyway. Okay. Right. Um, a, a, I can't say this word. A Hasidic Jewish woman in Brooklyn flees to Berlin from an arranged marriage and is taken in by a group of musicians until her past comes calling. Is it? Is that unorthodox? It is. Boom. I haven't seen it yet, but I keep meaning to watch it. Oh, it's cool. It's good. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm, It's interesting. Excellent. Well, that's two out of two. Is it based on a true story? I think it is. I'm not sure, but I think it is. Mm, I think it is. I've I've never, I've still never shot a Jewish wedding, actually. No, me neither. Yeah. I'd love to. I've shot a few kind of weddings where they've had little like kind of Jewish traditions as a part of it, you know, like smashing of the glass and um, the kind of the throwing up the the groom and on the chairs and stuff, but never a full on proper. I'd love to do that one day. Hmm. Mm. Sorry. Okay. Let's go. Let's go on to your final one. See if you can go three. Okay. (laughs) So this is an older film as well. This is a, a little clue. Okay. A former nurse saves her favorite writer from a blizzard, but morphs from the... Oh, do you know? I, yes, I do, because I just made Rich watch this one, too. It's Misery. Oh, nice. Yes, it yes. is. Super. Three yes. out of three. That is. I cool. wish you had video now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is good skills, though, that is, because that was a mix of older stuff and modern as well. So that is really good. Yeah. Why, thank you. I will bow. <laughs> You know, I, again, I haven't seen Misery since I was a kid. And I just remember being, oh, so freaked out at that, the bit with the mallet, you know. And Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I can't. Yeah, that's, that. it, that's awful. Yeah, that is brutal. Let's, let's change, let's change off. <laughs> <laughs> but you did so well there. Three out of three. That well, is great. Well, Top thank skills. you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Ange, let's, let's go back to photography. Okay. Um, <laughs> if, if someone was just thinking of starting out as a documentary family photographer, what advice would you give to them? Not, not specifically about starting out during a worldwide pandemic, but you know, <laughs> putting that aside. Maybe not go in their house. <laughs> yes, that would be the main thing. <laughs> um, that's a great question. If somebody was just it's a tricky one. Um, 
honestly, I, I always revert back to the business side of things because I think that's where photographers really struggle the most. So I would say, know your numbers first. Right. Okay. Run your cost of doing business. Um, as the, the most important thing you're going to do because you're going to want to ask questions of other people about what you should charge and they can't tell you because they don't know your cost of living. Mm, that's so true. Um, also, okay, I think I have three answers. Is that no, This right? is good, good. That's all good. Okay, so know your numbers. Um, value print. Okay. A lot of people are inclined to just include the digitals right away and assume that that's what their clients want. Um, and if there's anything that I've learned, I, when I started my business up until I think three or four years ago, I didn't even make the digital files available. Oh, right, okay. um, so value print because your clients will value it if you value it. And Sense. the prints will be far more valuable over time than the digital files will. And I think a lot of people underestimate that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, when yeah. you see, do you have a lot of kind of like physical prints and products to show clients like beforehand? So they see them. And then... um, I have various bits and pieces on my website and on my Instagram highlights. Oh, um, cool. I often post stories. I, I ask clients all the time, like send me pictures of your photos when they're up on the wall, if it comes up in conversation, or if I know that a client has a particular photo wall that has a ton of my work. Oh, that's cool. Um, or even just some of my work mixed in with their own photos, because I don't think it needs to be like a tribute photo wall mm. to just photography, you know, like a little shrine. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although some clients, all of the artwork on their walls is mine. And it's, oh, really, that's cool. Though. Um, and it's an amazing feeling when I walk in their house and I see it, but it's also just a little bit strange because <laughs> it is a bit shrine like for me to see. But I love that they that they've done it. And oh yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? That's very cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I try to show print in real life whenever I can. There's photos hanging on the walls in the studio. I don't meet my documentary family clients in person beforehand, so sure. they don't necessarily see the studio. Um, but I show like um, I'll take videos or photos of like my weekly print order when it arrives just to kind of keep that in the forefront of people's minds. Oh uh, yeah. That must sounds really cool. this myth that it's all about the digital file. Yeah. That's cool. That's so interesting to hear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's something I I'm quite passionate about print and uh, will hammer on about it forever. So. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> um, and then my other, my other advice for this specific genre would be to learn the difference between a moment and an action. Okay. And what, what, yeah. What do you mean by that? Go on. That sounds good. Go um, <laughs> because people doing something doesn't count as a moment uh, in terms of, you know, understanding where you can find tension, how tension presents itself, um, what interactions uh, I guess the, like an action can include the in-between, right. And not just the peak. Right, so, okay. mm. you know, make sure that you're shooting at the peaks and not in the valleys or, or on the down slope. Um, so that you're getting those really strong photos mm. or you, that's what you keep aiming for. But, but I think a lot of, uh, people who are new to the genre don't 
really understand that difference. So their galleries are action shots that don't carry any emotional impact. Uh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. it's a revelation whenever they're like, oh, wait, if I just, you know, had taken this photo half a second later or had shot more, I would have included more and been able to pull that one. Uh, and then my, you know, my slideshow would have that much more impact and these photos would be so much more significant for this family. Mm, that's cool. Great advice. Yeah, all really good advice. <laughs> no, it's, so, it's really great. It's really deep thoughts. <laughs> yeah. For a Tuesday morning. Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. I like deep. Deep is good. Deep is good. <laughs> you know, you know, when you decided that you really wanted to pursue documentary family photography, um, specifically as a, as a niche, was it, was there much of a scene then at that time in Canada? And, um, you know, was it? No. Oh, okay. So, so how did you no. get like your kind of first kind of clients? Um, I, I was the only person in my region doing documentary family photography right. at the time. I believe that, you know, there is a, a couple people in each province who maybe were working on it at the time. I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure Felicia Chang had been, had been in the genre around the same time, if not a bit before. Um, and Christina Nieborg has been working as a photojournalist and then had started doing family photography probably before I did. I don't know. I don't know Christina's timeline, but um, yeah, there was definitely no education available in my area. So I had to do a ton of educating clients about what this would look like and what they would need to expect. And that's why there is so much information on my website and that why that uh, referenced exists is because uh, I link people to it every time that anyone inquires about a family session, whether they're, whether they've expressed an interest specifically in documentary family photography, or they've just said, we want family photos. I will say, here's some information about what I specialize in. Uh, that's really good. And link them to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just so that they can kind of get an idea about what it's about. Even, even now, I still get people who really struggle with the idea of not dressing up and not posing. So mm. I, that kind of helps. But at the time, what I did was I started out with two-hour sessions. Uh, they might have actually been two, between two and three-hour sessions. Um, for a, a steeply discounted rate mm-hmm. with a few families I had worked with and I based them, I called them toothbrush sessions because you brush your teeth at times of day when children are most vulnerable Either oh, that's cool. or last thing at night. So I would arrive before the kids woke up and I would stay until mid morning right. or arrive about half an hour before supper and stay until bedtime. Oh, and cool. allowed me to get a lot of the parent interaction moments that I was kind of needing in order to explain what I do uh, and to explore what it is that I thought I was going to do, even because I was so new. That's uh, such a good idea, those timings, especially. How did you think of that? That's, that's, that's like genius. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember, um, but I, I do remember feeling very pleased with myself. Yeah. Some- Yes, this will work. Yeah, um, but I basically right. just figured out what I needed and when I would get that and how to promote sessions that would just give me that because I needed to build a portfolio. Mm. So that's a really good way of doing it. My business brain just broke it down and went for it. Super don't clever, really proactive. Failure, just go in 
Yeah. Head, right? That's the way to do it. That's right. That is my business model. <laughs> Wait, it worked. It's super. And well, yeah. Those families that you did those like toothbrush sessions for, I guess they, a lot of them probably would have been, they wouldn't have had shots of their family kind of naturally interacting like that before. So what, what was their no. feedback like? It must have been, must have been interesting. It was a lot of fun. Um, I got a lot of the comments that I think we, we all receive whenever doing this type of work for the first time with a family. Like, oh, that was so much fun. It was so easy. It was nice to not have to worry about what the kids were doing. Um, but also, I think it just spoke volumes in the types of photos that they were getting that were so different. You know, like the, um, tickle fights on the bed and the dinner table battles about who's going to eat what and how many more bites do you have to take before you can be done with your vegetable oh, gosh i know that one i have like, that every evening here. oh my <laughs> goodness i do not envy parents those battles <laughs> and and like the sleepy morning faces and you know pancakes for breakfast and all of that jazz like i just i think that those types of photos are a revelation whenever families see them for the first time. And, and, you know, some families, even if they're seeing them for the fifth time, they still feel like a revelation. Mm, that's so cool. That's one of the awesome things about that, that genre. Yeah. It's so awesome that you're able to provide that for these people. It's such a rewarding thing. It's it so is. It's wildly rewarding. Yes. Mm, it's so important. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I love hearing about it. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so cool. I forget often that I'm, I forget that I'm doing, we're actually doing a podcast. It's just like, I'm just checking. It's really nice. <laughs> and we've never spoken before. Either. It's just really nice. No. It's, um, really nice. Um, I, one thing I wanted to say is that, that stood out um, from your bio, by the way, because I was reading it, obviously, for okay. researching into this, is that. You're doing one thing, some research. Well, I got to do a yeah. bit. I got to do cool. a bit. <laughs> um, but it was one thing you said. You say you have a profound hatred of socks. Yes. <laughs> what is that about? What is that about? I, I hate socks. I, my feet get super hot, super fast. Are you not wearing any at the moment then? I am not. And I take <laughs> slippers off. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Wow. I've never like, noticed even if I'm, like socks. Yeah. If I'm shooting a winter wedding, I will bring Birkenstocks and wear them inside and change into socks and snow boots when we go outside and i will often do that in the parking lot because my feet <laughs> yeah it's it's a, a slightly bizarre personality trait i guess but no i i just am warm all of the time so oh that's cool i like that <laughs> <laughs> and there's usually like a celebratory first day of spring story in my instagram like of me just wiggling my toes in my burks whenever i am outside <laughs> Like it's all, yeah. Love it, love it, love it. It's bizarre, but <laughs> does your husband share your hate? <laughs> well, um, no, he doesn't care. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what Kate, what bonded you together then was over your. Uh, no, no, we we both do tend to wear flip flops as late in the season as possible. <laughs> okay, and there's like a little moment of mourning whenever I have to put my sandals away in like November sometimes December. <laughs> Sad, day. Sad day. Whenever the snow has settled and stayed, then I'm like, oh, I guess it's time. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny you say flip-flops because in my Cornwall, that's like the normal footwear for a lot of people. In right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> go, to the go to the grocery store in January and your flip-flops. Yeah. I think people do here. They do. They yeah. Do. It totally wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> 
Um, and I think because I also read how you like books, and I sometimes ask this question, though I haven't in a while. So has has there been a book that you've read that's had a lasting impact on you in some way? Could be fiction or nonfiction Ooh. or anything, really. Um, yeah, <laughs> I do love books. Um, I found that All the Light We Cannot See was one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. I was actually sad that I didn't get to spend time with the characters anymore whenever I finished it. I remember like flipping to the last page and kind of groaning. Oh, really? I've not, I don't know that. I don't know it. Oh, it's, it's an incredible book that takes place in wartime France. Um, okay. And I, I highly recommend it to anybody. Uh, when Death Becomes Air was another beautiful book. Uh, it's a memoir, and I knew what was going to happen by the end of the book. It's not a secret, and I was still ugly crying by the oh, end. Of- <laughs> ugly crying, oh, yeah. It was it was an incredible book. Um, I I read a lot of nonfiction. Okay, yeah. I I wouldn't say that I take inspiration from it in the same way that that like. Uh, I don't know if anybody who listens to the podcast will know my friend Dave Moss. He is a wealth of knowledge about nonfiction books. He internalizes that stuff in a way that is unique to any human being I've ever met. Um, I, that is not how I process those books. So I feel like I just kind of take little bits and pieces from them here and there until the point where I don't even remember where I got them from. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but I find like when I, I read for pleasure and I read for, or character development, so I, I'm more drawn to fiction than nonfiction. Okay. Those, those two books I highly recommend. Oh, that's cool. I think that's really, uh, that's really great. I'll have to check oh, them out as well. I also just finished um, The Murmur of, Murmur of Bees, which was written by a Spanish-speaking author. I can't remember if she's from Spain or from elsewhere. Um, and then translated. And okay. the... Man who did the translation, I, I should find the book. I'm tied to my laptop. Uh, <laughs> the man who did the translation, it, it's artwork in itself. I mean, the book is, is beautiful, but to be able to translate something from Spanish to English so artistically is just unbelievable. You wouldn't know that it wasn't written in English as the first language. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there must be a yeah. real art in that. There must be an art. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, like, the the understanding of the nuances of language is just phenomenal. I don't understand how anybody's brain can do that. It mm-hmm. was just, like, a, a wonder to me. Mm, that's cool. Is that fiction? Is, was that fiction? It is, fi- it is yeah. fiction, yeah. Okay, good, cool. Great recommendations. That's great. I think people wow. listen as well. I'll appreciate that. That's really cool. I how hope often? So. I need to read more. Is that, how often do you read every day? Do you read every day? Just about. I, I have always been a bedtime reader. Um, so that's just been a habit that I've kept my entire life. I try to read every night. Every, you know, I go through phases. Um, where we will watch TV and then I fall asleep watching TV. <laughs> yeah. Generally speaking, it, I try to lose myself in a book before sleeping. Ah, uh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I need to do that more. I do need to do that more. I always, uh, with these podcasts, I often say, I need to do this more. I need to do that more. And then I don't. I don't. So You, I, I, you I, need to start a list of podcast shoulds. Like yes. 
Well, I should do this. That's a good idea. It's also a judgment about your own life. So be careful when you shoot yourself. Yes. Well, I should start yourself to death. It's an easy action item. Get your planner. <laughs> if you use a planner or your note app and have a podcast recommendation list. <laughs> it would actually, that, that's funny, but it would actually be very Lifetime good. shoulds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's good. Do you have, talking of lifetime shoulds, do you have, oh, that's a good point, actually. Do you have any kind of like mentally in your head of lifetime shoulds, big, you know, things that you, that you want to do? Or that we want to do. Mm. Um, we are, so Rich and I don't have kids, which gives us a lot of flexibility in terms of our life choices. Right. Um, and we are, lifelong travelers we met backpacking and we try to go traveling every year we're i mean we've had six trips canceled in the last year so yeah nightmare 12 months but generally speaking we try to go somewhere that leaves us in awe every year and um so that is kind of our lifetime should but we're working on taking a sabbatical um, either it'll probably be in two winters time now, just based on the way things are going uh-huh. um, and kind of cross off a few more of our big destinations, India, Japan, oh, still cool. been anywhere in South America. We were supposed to go to Ecuador last year um, and the Galapagos and it got canceled. Oh, nightmare. Yeah. Our good old friend COVID. So uh, we've got some, some travel destinations to to cross off our should list oh that's cool and that's um, to, yeah. To, yeah to take a sabbatical like that as well that's really exciting that'd be really cool yeah yeah we've been really fortunate rich was a contractor um so he i mean if he didn't work he didn't get paid but he could plan for that so we've done three extended 10 week or longer trips uh in the yeah. time we've been married so we're, we're itching to hit the road again Oh, I bet you are. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned Japan. I'd love to go to Japan. That, that is oh, my goodness. Yeah. I had a, a client last year, a couple, and his family was from Cambodia and she is from Japan. He said, yeah. oh, supposed to be going. We we're supposed to be leaving for Japan next week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, oh, we're not. Um, and I was like, oh, man, I am in the middle of researching and I am going to hit you up for information. And so now I'm just prolonging my research period. Oh yeah. <laughs> You'll know a lot about just, it I will know a lot about it. And <laughs> we're planning all of our stops based on what I want to go and eat. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah. I bet man. Yeah. yeah awesome. Like wh- what cities have the best ramen and what, you know, where's the best <laughs> Udon in different forms and all that jazz. That's a good way to do it. Good way. To do oh it. man. Yeah. I, I highly <laughs> recommend it as long as you like food. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'd like to. I'd love to do it one day. I'd love to do it one day. Um, yeah. Let's change. Let's change tack again slightly, um, yeah. Ange. And um, I mean, because you recently you wrote a really moving piece for us recently on our lasting impact feature, oh, where yeah. you know photographers shared images that have had some kind of lasting impact on their lives. And yours was, in your own words, um, on the importance of taking on legacy work for my clients, taking on the job of making pictures for them to leave behind when they're gone. Um, and it's a really moving, it's a beautiful image and moving words as well. Can you, can you tell us a bit more about that? And you know, for perhaps people who haven't read it or seen the image. Um, yeah. So the, the image is of a mother curled up on the floor, spooning her, her toddler child, her daughter. 
Um, and in the photo, you can see um, an IV tube because the mother was receiving, um, she was on heavy doses of painkillers and other uh, drugs. Uh, she was in the last stages of her battle with cancer. And yeah, I'm very emotional about this one. Um, yeah. it, was, it was a really wonderful project to be able to do for her. Um, because she recognized that she had this daughter who wasn't, wasn't even two yet, um, who was going to grow up without her. So she met with a social worker early on, mm, kind of midway through, I guess, her, her fight with her, um, she had lymphoma. Okay. And um, kind of came up with a plan to leave behind as much as she could for Charlie. And part of that was photos and audio and whatever she could, letters. Um, so I was really touched to be asked if I would help her. So I did a, a day in the life for them in July. And then I did another one on uh, Christmas Eve morning. Uh, which was when they were celebrating Christmas. Sam was in the hospital uh, full-time by then, and she would be um, allowed out on day release on the days when she was stable enough to go. So uh, that image was meaningful because in July, I had seen them do the same thing. And Charlie would be playing on the floor, and you know, kids play on the floor on their sides, on their backs, on their bellies, whatever. Um, and the two of them would both play on the floor laying down together and have a little cuddle and then go on with their day. And so when I saw it happen again in December, I thought in July that this was just this really sweet exchange. And I was really pleased to have caught it. Um, but when I saw it again in December, I realized that this is a thing that they do. And if, if I do this right, Charlie will have evidence of this thing that she used to do with her mom that you know, she will have left behind years ago, but, you know, maybe as a 12 year old, she'll see a photo and have this kind of faint muscle memory of doing that. Um, or at least know that her mom was the sort of mom who would do that with her. Because uh, it's, it's so special what you've captured. It's so special. And to yeah. be able to do that and provide that it's amazing. And I'm, you know, I, I thank you for talking about, it. I know that can't have, have been easy and, and, oh, and that's all right. But what you wrote is so beautiful as well. And what you've, what you've done, I just, I have so much respect for you for doing that as well. Cause uh, I can only imagine how, how, how difficult that must've, that must've been, but you've provided something so beautiful as well. Yeah. I, it was the single most important work I have done so far. Oh, it's amazing. And honestly, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful image and amazing words. And thank you for, for talking oh, about thank it. You. There I'm as well. Too. Oh. oh, it's just mad. This, uh, <laughs> you know, it's oh, it's an emotional roller coaster. We're, we're all over the place emotionally. We're talking, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about death and memory. <laughs> oh, right. Let's 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 change back then for that. But, okay, um, it's beautiful. If anyone's listening now, they can head. To, I'll um on if you head to thisreportage.com or thisreportagefamily.com, I'll um include a link to that to that piece and uh, Angie's image and, and words that she was just talking about there as well um let's go um let's say Ange. um what's let's just change it totally completely um what, <laughs> what what's what's a what's a random fact about you 
that you think most people would be surprised to know. Bear in oh. mind that they already know that you hate socks, so it has to be so right. Um, I, I have no sense of smell, but still love to cook and eat. Oh wow, really? Wow, no sense of smell at all. Like mm, nope, nope. Wow. I my parents think it was damaged during a, a procedure to unblock a tear duct when I was an infant. But I, I have reached the point now where it comes, I wouldn't say it comes back, but it resurfaces um, maybe four times a year. So like I have recently smelled cardamom for the first time and I oh wow, see or might smell an orange, but generally speaking, no, I have no sense of smell. Wow, gosh, man, I can't imagine. There could be some benefits to that, I could imagine, in some certain sense. There, there are a lot of benefits. <laughs> Does it, like, but yeah, but you talk about cooking, though. Does it impact your f- tastes as well, then, and things? So, I think, and I, I mean, I don't have any scientific data for this, but it seems to only impact uh, my ability to taste certain herbs all right okay wow. like i can taste pesto but i'm pretty sure it doesn't taste the same to me as it does to you oh, okay that's probably and... a good thing that i hate pesto Ooh, horrible. Oh, <laughs> really <laughs> yeah I my wife like loves I... it i hate it interesting um yeah you like it then do you like uh i can take it or leave it, it <laughs> and it depends on what it's being used for um, but I gravitate towards uh, Asian cuisine, and I th- suspect that that's largely because of the fact that it plays off of your taste buds. So, you know, like Thai food is all about balancing sweet and salty and spicy. Uh, okay. Um, so if you can balance those flavors, then you have this really great dish. Uh, and then, you know, try to include some subtleties for the people who can smell them. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or wow. we'll pick them up. Yeah. That is interesting, though. That is, yeah. How, how old were you when you actually kind of realized that then? Well, I suppose ever, ever uh, since you were proper infant, then you knew. Or did you actually know? No, could... I don't think I didn't. So the interesting thing is that I grew up in my city, used to have a paper mill, and right. people would complain about the smell all the time. My city had a reputation as being a really smelly place to live. <laughs> okay, right. And People who would come into town for hockey tournaments or whatever would be like, oh, yeah, I've been there. It stinks. I'm like, well, the mill <laughs> shut quite a while ago, so it doesn't, it doesn't stink anymore. <laughs> That's good. I, I smelled it once in my life. Oh, right. Wow. I was extraordinarily nauseous, but that's uh, my standard reaction to most smells for the first time like garlic caused the same reaction so i don't know like the milk could have smelled like garlic or it could have smelled like garbage I don't, but um yeah it's it's a definite advantage when i was growing up <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does sound to be yeah yeah oh, that's really interesting yeah. very yeah. interesting yeah <laughs> it's cool it's, it's a very random fact not many people <laughs> that trait <laughs> <laughs> that is a random fact that is a random fact yeah. Yeah. it also makes the coronavirus screening where it, it says anything about like a loss of sense oh of smell. yeah well i i haven't lost it but i don't have it <laughs> <laughs> like, i always just kind of skip over that one i was like it's not new so it's fine 
Yeah, that's funny. Wow. Yeah, Carl, mad, mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say I can't. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I once found one of my little claims to fame is that I once found a McDonald's that was almost a mile away from my nose. I reckon. I was just no like, way. Yeah, well, it's maybe half a mile. Probably it's a very long exaggeration. Yeah, coming out of a football ground, I just found the McDonald's and directed us all there just from the smell of it. It was great. It was great. My no little... way. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I would just be lost, hopelessly. <laughs> like, Without a McDonald's. Do you like McDonald's, yeah. by the way? Like McDonald's? I, I haven't eaten at McDonald's in a very long time. Oh, really? Oh. Like my, we used to drive from North Wales back to London, and there was a McDonald's just over the English border. I can't remember what city it would have been, and Rich will shoot me for not knowing. But that was like, our, we just have to make it to McDonald's. <laughs> get, I get that. So yeah. The roads in North Wales are torture if you're um. not. Well, because it's like barely two lanes wide and hilly and windy. Oh, and uh, yeah. I used to actually, um, I used to go to North Wales like every weekend when I was a kid, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, my well, my my parents had a caravan in um, Prestatin and Talaka near Rill in North Wales. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I used to go there. Like, I used to go to all the castles up there as well. Did you go around the castles in North Wales? Um, so he, his village is seven miles from Carnarvon, which is like the, oh, the yeah. center. So, I mean, there's Carnarvon Castle is a big one. I've been yeah. there. Oh, it's and cool, isn't it? Yeah. There's a little, um, fortress ruin in Clamberis. And I've been there. Yeah. Clamberis. Yeah. So we, that's one of my favorite places to go. Actually, it, it the, the area that the ruins are feels a lot like New Zealand. It's very mossy and. Uh, hilly and it just it feels like magic it's really it's a cool spot mm, cool. So, those are the only two that i've been to in north wales. Uh, okay that's all cool though it's so, I, I love yeah. the way we could just, we can talk about such random things <laughs> i love it yeah. <laughs> come to photography and then talk about smell and castle yeah. it's all good all good well i'm um, also laughing because i was like the, the roads in north wales are so hilly and and windy i'm like uh, they're kind of like cornish roads oh yeah that's super true. narrow and there's some there's fewer hedges because it's mostly rock but uh, yeah yeah you know what i don't like driving in cornwall and um i i'm oh, awful man. down single track roads i get really anxious going down single track roads they're intense mm, it is isn't it oh yeah so, people who've never driven them it's no joke yeah it's true and, and and often wedding venues seem to be at the end of these yes roads. yeah it's true isn't it yeah yes oh, and i'm always terrified that we're gonna like just plow into somebody oh yeah that has been a that has been one slight good side of corona's not having to drive so much actually right mm. um, so much traffic and i've got i've kept you for an hour already i've just i've got my ah. little but it's flying by <laughs> it's been so much fun i've got time for one more question there still but i just before okay. i say that it's just been so lovely talking to you this has been great oh good i'm glad you enjoyed it so <laughs> um let's go with it let's go let's end with a practical one let's end with a practical okay. one um so in terms of because as something again photographer is always interested in um and rightly so in terms of kind of marketing you know and getting yourself out there what's been the most effective uh marketing route for you um slideshows oh okay cool um so i get a lot of my business from other from clients so word of mouth and i uh, for my documentary family sessions i do a slideshow for every family i also blog almost every session 
Um, so I guess the, the combination of blog and slideshow together um, because my clients share them and I've had so many people reach out just saying, oh, I saw so-and-so's blog post or their slideshow and it's incredible or like you do this for everybody. And, um, and, and the, the use of words and music to help people connect with images is so it can't be overstated how important it is. It's highly underrated. I would say people don't really understand just how powerful that is. Right. Okay. Mm. Yes. I, that's my marketing tip. I think that's really good marketing tip. Yeah. Really good. You know, yes. so I, I don't do slideshows at all. Actually, I really should. It just makes so yes. sense that they will share them and they're so powerful. Yes. Like that. Mm. Yep. And if okay. you do print sales, going back to prints, it <laughs> help them connect with individual images. Cause I think a lot of people in this, uh, in this genre, a lot of our clients have a hard time understanding how they're going to hang individual images. Mm -hmm. And I don't find that I have that problem with my clients. They have no difficulty picking up photos for their walls. Um, and then it, you can also use this slideshow as a way of, I mean, um, if you use Funny Designer or Smart Albums or any other album design software, you could create a slideshow using um, album pages so that you can see the story as side-by-side -side images, uh, singles, depending on how you want your clients to connect with the work. Oh, that's a clever. Never, I never would have even thought of that. So that's a great <laughs> yeah, idea. Yeah, very yeah. good. <laughs> no, that's all really good. Really good. Okay, oh, and I'm glad. And man, thank you so much. <laughs> it's been my so pleasure, fun. Alan. You made this so easy. Oh no, you made it easy, <laughs> and you made it really fun, and really interesting, oh, and really practical, and great bits of advice and tips as well. It's just been perfect. Thank you. Good. I'm glad. Oh, it's been awesome. Really, really fab. Um, yeah, and if anyone's listening now, whilst I always say the same things, whilst like I always do the pots when I'm listening to podcasts. I don't know about you. What do you do? You listen to much podcasts at all? I do. Yeah. What do you do whilst whilst listening to podcasts? Um, can I just comment that I love your casual use of whilst, whilst. Oh, really? <laughs> Very British thing. And we used to tease a friend of ours who did it so smoothly that every time I hear it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> That's funny. I'm listening to podcasts, I cook, I oh, call, okay. I edit, I drive. I don't listen to music. So okay. I in silence a large part of my day. So if I need something in the background, I, it's often a podcast. Okay, cool. Well, that's <laughs> as long as good. I'm not doing anything involving language, because I can't process language in a podcast and language with my eyeballs. No, that, I, I understand that. Yeah, totally. That's yeah. a colossal fail. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's got cool. Yeah, so if anyone's doing any of those things that Anne said, um, yeah. yeah, do head to um, thisreptage.com and or thisreptagefamily.com, and I'll include a link through to Angie's site. And that, uh, as I said, the, the image and the words she wrote for the Lasting Impact piece as well. And, and, and hopefully one day, hopefully I'll get to meet you one day. That'll yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. That you would do be live awesome. about, I don't know how many thousands of miles away. We are about five. Five, I is think. it five, five, five. <laughs> something yeah. like that we should do a cornwall exchange we do a cornwall yeah, house swap or something. yeah. <laughs> then we still wouldn't meet though oh yeah that's true well that's it yeah <laughs> me and then you would all about my life just you would still wouldn't see me <laughs> <laughs> yeah forget that that was a silly idea <laughs>
<laughs> oh, but it's been cool that we've done. I, I love the way this podcast is from Cornwall to Cornwall and a different side. Yeah, really cool, really cool. That's fun. And yeah, but if, obviously, um, we'll be doing a party as far as this reportage and this reportage family this Christmas. You know, I know it's a long way to come. Nice. If you ever fancy coming over to England, you know. Well, we're there often. Oh yeah, do you come over to Wales then quite a bit? Do you? Well, we we try. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of like on average once every eight months. So some years it's twice, and some years it's once. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that'd be cool. Let me know when you. All right. <laughs> I will. I will. That would be cool. That would be cool. Um, and I hope you have a good year. And um, I hope, so yeah, I hope, I hope things are all good. But thanks again. That was you awesome. As well. Okay. Thanks so much, Alan. Take care. Bye. Bye, and You've been listening to the 68th episode of the This Is Reportage podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to Ange. She's so lovely. Hope you enjoyed listening too. Head to thisreportage.com or thisreportagefamily.com to see a link through to her website, the lasting impact image she spoke about, as well as photographic proof of her disdain for socks. We have lots more episodes of the podcast available too, where we speak to wedding and family photographers from all over the world, delving to our back catalogue to hear from the likes of Adam Johnson, Stephen Hairshaft, Else Corston, Dominique Shaw, Julia Rose Grime, Philip Swiggers, Rocio Vega and many more. If you're not yet a member of this reportage or this reportage family, check out all the benefits of joining us, including an unlimited number of images on your profile, 60 individual award and 18 story award entries per year, invites to our physical meetups and parties, exclusive discounts, hours of educational videos featuring tips and advice from some of the world's best photographers, and much more too. The submission deadline for our second collections of 2021 is just days away now. The deadline is the same for both our wedding site and our family site. Submit by 2359 GMT on 24th of March 2021. No poses, nothing staged. This is Reportage. And this is bye for now.